Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everyone, this is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show, and boy, do I have a guest for you today. You have no idea who you're about to encounter, and it is one of the best guests I think I've probably had the opportunity to interview on this show. And um, Frank Martin from Martin Harris Construction out of Las Vegas. Um, basically, he's built almost every casino on the Las Vegas Strip, or most, or quite a few of them, let's say, because I don't want to embarrass Frank because he's a humble guy. But um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what we have coming up on March 11th. Um, one of our coaches, Kane Pekovic, is going to be doing a webinar about accountability and getting employees to perform better and helping your cash flow from them performing better. So, uh, two and one on that one, a little bit about accountability and a little bit about cash flow. On the 28th of March, I will be doing a scaling up workshop in Austin, Texas. Um, we will be doing it. I will be the one who's actually doing that. We'll be talking about people's strategy, execution, and cash inside of your business and really how to scale and grow your business. Because a lot of time entrepreneurs get caught up when they're trying to scale their company, the things that make you a great entrepreneur actually inhibit your growth after a certain point. And we're going to talk a little bit about that at the workshop and what you can do to overcome that issue. So it will be a workshop. It's actually getting out, doing some work, doing some thinking. So that's from eight to five. And we're looking at the Hyatt Regency in Austin to do that workshop. And then later on in the um, early April, Warren will be doing a workshop about your company's cash and how, how much that's costing you. Um, and so that's on April 4th. But let's get into it a little bit with Frank because we have him here. Um, Frank, um, I, I gave you a little introduction, not much of one for everyone on the on the radio show right now. But why don't you tell them a little bit about your background? And I'll, I'll sort of jump in every once in a while when I think it's necessary. But I think it'd be great to hear from you. Okay, thank you, David. I'm 76 years old, so my background is really long, and we don't have that much time. So let me go back to I'm I'm basically the son of an oil field boomer. Um, my dad was a farmer up in North Dakota, lost his farm, became an oil field boomer. We moved all over North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, um, just from drill site to drill site. Uh, actually, in the sixth grade, I went to six different schools in one school year. And um, in 1981, my dad got recruited. He he was a, a derrick man. He worked up in the crow's nest, um, a highly critical position in those days, and it still is. But um, he got recruited to come out to the Nevada test site to drill holes for bombs instead of holes for oil. And so, <laughs> as must a fresh... have been an interesting conversation when they ask him. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I get a lot of comments about that one for sure. And in 1961, we moved to Las Vegas as a freshman in high school. Okay. And um, graduated from Rancho High School here in Las Vegas in uh, 1965. 
And uh, I actually won like four different scholarships and and turned them down to become a carpenter apprentice because from the time I was in the sixth grade, I knew I wanted to be a carpenter when I grew up. I don't know why. I just loved working with my hands. That's very good. And so so you started off just swinging a hammer then, really, right? Yes, sir. Um, I worked uh, when I graduated from high school. Um, I got accepted into the carpenter's apprenticeship program. And seven days after I got it, uh, I got became the the apprentice. Um, the carpenters went on strike and stayed on strike until September seventh, nineteen sixty five. Nineteen yeah, nineteen sixty five. And when I got my first job, and I worked that job uh, for the next twelve years until my birthday, March thirty first, nineteen seventy seven. We have already started Martin Harris construction and uh, but we hadn't really started our first job first full-time construction project we were all doing side we was always doing side jobs doing it part-time and whatnot and then we got a contract that allowed us to make the move and when I say us the name Martin Harris we there was two Franks Frank Martin and Frank Harris and uh Frank was a carpenter apprentice that I broke in uh-huh. and um he uh, worked with me for four or five years. It was actually his idea to form Martin Harris Construction. We was out on a site. I was out on a site, and he walked, come walking in, and and we said our pleasantries. And he said, "Hey, Spider," he said, "Why don't we do go into business for ourselves?" And um, so, well, so that's that sounds like so that's how his name that. So that's how his name ended up first, Martin, then Harris. No, my I'm Martin. I, I, I was joking with you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so, uh, sure, and we decided that we want to be a general contractor because we both, he still worked for the same subcontractor I worked for. And so we went, we decided that that's what we were going to do. We needed startup money. Um, I borrowed $10,000 from... Um, that's a lot of uh, money Bank, back then. Valley Bank of Nevada. He borrowed $10,000 from his father-in-law. And uh, we bought a house and used our skills as carpenters to fix it up, working at nights and on weekends and whatnot, and um, then sold it. We made $15,000 on a sale. That was without paying us any any wages, only paying our vendors and suppliers, right? right. And... Uh, I took, we took 7,500 of that and bought a piece of property. And the other $7,500 we started Martin Harris Construction with. And and we, like I said, basically we started our very first project sometime around March 31st of 1977. Wow, so quite a while ago. And that led you, the, I, I, I mean, um, you, you did quite a bit like, uh, as far as knowing business at the time, did you guys really know anything about business? You know, you're starting to put the house together, things like that. Like all carpenters, a lot of them don't have a lot of knowledge. Was that you? That was me. Uh, I rapidly learned because we decided when we went into business that there was going to be, there was two aspects. And I really developed that into what I call my uh, beloved three-legged stool, get work, do work, keep score. Mm-hmm. And so we decided early on that I was going to be the get work guy. 
Uh, I had done estimating in my life and I had done project management in my life. So I was going to be the, the get work guy. Uh, Frank was the do work guy. In other words, he was supervising what was going on in the field. And then we hired a young lady that was um, working for the previous company that I had worked for. We hired her as our first part-time employee. And then within, I don't know, six months or so, she became a full-time employee. Uh, keeping so it back. was it was get work, do work. Do work, keep score. Keep score. She was the keep score person. Then. She was a keep score person. Okay. And that's how important it is. Um, you're an accountant uh, yep. by practice and education. And, and uh, for me, in a construction business, most entrepreneurs, and I'll get, this is, a I think, where you was going about not being familiar with business. Most entrepreneurs measure their success by how much money they got in the bank account at the end of the month. None of them ever do that, Frank. Come on. <laughs> and my my approach was I want to know on the 10th how much I'm going to have on the 31st. Yeah, yeah. And the only way you do that is is keeping daily score on how you're doing. And yeah. so we kept track of hours, we kept track it's still my company that I haven't been. I, I merged it with another company nine years ago, and um, it's still called the unit report mm -hmm. because every cubic yard of concrete has got a unit price assigned to it that includes labor, all the other stuff. And so the unit report is in a square feet and, and cubic yards and, and a variety of other measurements. And the unit report is still the critical one for projecting where we're going to be on the 31st of each month. That's very good. And, and I love this get work, uh, do work, keep score. Yeah. Uh, um, because that's sort of like a flywheel almost. It's it is. Like, it, it, it sort of propelled you early on in the company. That was probably an excellent flywheel. It's three steps. It's very simple. Yeah, I call it my three-legged stool, David. And where yeah. that come from, like I said, my dad had a farm, and um, we would go out early in the morning. I was really young, uh, and and milk cows. And uh, one day, where he he was under the cow milking, I was there. I was feeding grain and doing that kind of stuff. And now I'm like I said, I'm in first grade or so. And I asked my dad how come he was sitting on a on this stool and it had it had three legs on it and cows have a tendency to cow kick in other words cows can come up underneath their belly swipe their take their right rear leg and swipe it out around and kick the milker if it gets pinched or if the hands are too cold or something right and the a four-legged stool never just tips over and it tangles up their feet so they can't get away from the cow. So they developed this three-legged stool because a three-legged stool will tip over much easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I took that aspect of the three-legged stool and just said, okay, there's three pieces of business, getting the work, doing the work, and keeping score. And without the get work side of it, the other two functions are unemployed. Right. And so you're right. It's like the flywheel. And later on in life, we actually studied that uh, book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. uh, myself and 16 people at Martin Harris Construction 
spent three years going through that book. I still have my original book and my notes from those meetings because we reviewed it. And my book is filled uh, probably with about four or five different colors of highlight from each time that I read that book. And I related it because it is the flywheel. It just keeps going around because the keep score department feeds the get work department the numbers that they need to do a competitive bid to know what the job has got to be priced at to keep us in business, to keep the get work department producing. Right. Yeah. And I I love it. I love the simplicity of it. And uh, Frank, you actually showed me your good to great book when I was over at your office. uh, And I'll I'll tell you, it's fairly marked up. (laughs) (laughs) That thing has some miles on it. Yes, sir. Um, but 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 that 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 you contribute a lot of that to your success, isn't that correct? I mean that that really was your success is that book, that book, and then um, and and then I learned um, about <laughs> as a as a carpenter, I'm kind of a slow learner sometimes. So it took me about twelve years to learn the value of a business plan. Yep, mm-hmm. and um, we can get into that whenever you tell it's time, but. Uh, that book, yes, and I still use it all the time. There, another favorite saying of mine in there in in that book is, "What process or procedure have you put in place in the last 180 days for your weakest performing individual in your company?" Yep. Because when you put that process or procedure in place for that weakest performing individual you're handicapping the people at the very top of your food chain. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. So what you're basically saying is my weakest link is causing most of my problems in my company. That's exactly right. So you're solving that weakest link. Well, Frank, you know, it's it's such an honor to have you on here. And I, I appreciate your little introduction. I wanted to get into a little bit about like when you started getting into casinos. We'll do that right when we come back from this break. And we'll, um, we're talking to um, um, Frank and, and we're talking to him about the uh, his construction company. And he's talked to us so far about the three-legged stool, which is his flywheel initially. And we'll be right back after these messages for more of Frank's wisdom just give it we'll be right back follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. 
Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And I have uh, Frank with us. He is talking about construction in Las Vegas and what he did. And and Frank has a really good story he wanted to share with us. um, Because what we talk about on the Strategy Sherpa Show is we talk about things that we didn't do well at growing our company. All of us have really great stories around big mistakes we've made and what we what were the circumstances surrounding that decision because at the time these decisions seemed like great decisions and then what did we have to do to fix the situation? And I, I, I this story really impacted me when I heard it from Frank the very first time. So I'll let him share the story. So um, Frank, why don't you tell us the first casino that you built from the ground up? The first casino that I built from the ground up was uh, called O'Shea's Casino. Um, the Strip, as you know, is ever evolving and rebranding. Well, O'Shea's is now basically where the link is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where the It was tucked in between the Flamingo Hilton and the Imperial Palace. I mean, tucked in. Right. And um, most people don't know it, but it's built over the top of the Las Vegas wash where thousands of acre feet of water come when we have rains in the mountains to the west, thousands of acre feet of water uh, flow through that Las Vegas wash. Well, it's underground, it's underneath the link, it's underneath the Imperial Palace. And and that's where all the foundations and the basic columns uh, had to be installed was in that Las Vegas wash. And um, so we built that, that started in 1988. And um, that was, while it was a, it was a story that, and a, and a project that propelled our company exponentially, because we, previous to that, we had built the uh, Green Valley Athletic Club, which was our largest project at about $7.2 million. And we had built, uh, previous to that, we had built Jerry's Nugget down in North Las Vegas. That was only about 3.2, but for the size of company we was, it was huge. And then we uh, uh, built the O'Shea's and, and, but we went from, imagine this, Dave, we went from uh, Jerry's Nugget at $3.2 million to the Green Valley Athletic Club at $7.2 million to O'Shea's. Our bid was $15.7 million. Wow. Okay. 
But before we ever started the job, we got our first change order for 2.3. So we really started an $18 million project from previous largest project about 7.2. Wow. So uh, uh, double the size, more than double the size. And before you even get started, you're already getting change orders. That's right. And because the world is, we had existed that um, O'Shea's was owned by the, by the Hilton Corporation, Baron Hilton himself owned the Las Vegas Hilton, the Flamingo Hilton, and O'Shea's. And um, we had done tons of work for Baron Hilton in uh, the Las Vegas Hilton and the Fling Flamingo Hilton transitioning because, like I said, they're, they're changing all the time. And um, those projects really evolved us into employing a lot of people. Uh, in a period of three to four years, we went from employing... 40 or 50 people to employing 500 and uh, payroll of a half a million dollars every week. Wow. Uh, in today's terms, half a million dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money. But in 1988 or 1987, it's a ton of money. Yeah. Okay? And and uh, so and we had to generate that kind of that kind of money to, to make that payroll because every all construction workers get paid every week. They don't get paid two weeks. They don't get paid monthly. They get paid every week. And um, so for us, that transition was was very difficult. And yeah. uh, I talk, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep on going. I was talking about foundations, and I told about going from 3.2 to 7.4 to to 18. Right. Right. Well, what basically was happening is that I was building an ever taller building. Mm -hmm. on the same size foundation. So I ended up trying to build trying to build a 20-story building, meaning Martin Harris construction, on what really was a four or five-story foundation. Right. So in 1989 that foundation started falling apart. Oh, about and, a year year into the project? And we're into the project, uh way into the project and um uh a lot of things started falling apart. People so what started. happened? What fell apart? What was the first thing that you noticed? So I, I, I liken it when I say the foundation started falling apart. Then people started falling into the cracks. And the next thing you know, cash starts falling in, falling into those cracks. Yeah. And, and so what started was that we were trying to manage it like we would manage an interior remodel. And we weren't. We were pouring hundreds of cubic yards of concrete every day. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have pictures of a concrete truck turned upside down in the basement of O'Shea's because it slipped off the access road going down into the basement oh, no. and turned and rolled over full concrete, full oh, of concrete. No. Oh yeah. And, but uh, the people in the systems, that's the biggie. Um, you're, you're, re you're really young. I think you mentioned that I graduated from high school, but you, you was born when you said you was born and actually it was after that because you said you were born in women's hospital. That was one of the projects I worked on when I was a carpenter. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell people on my birth certificate um, because that was pretty much downtown, that hospital at the time. Uh -huh. But now today is pretty much downtown. But um, at the time it said I was born in rural Las Vegas. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> people get a kick out of it that know Vegas when yep. I tell them that. So. Yep. So anyway, what started falling apart was uh, was the systems. Didn't have a cost accounting system that was adequate to mount to monitor that size of project. It would get bogged down, and financial reports would start coming out. 
And also what happened is when you grow, grow a, a group of people, uh, tradesmen, you know, we had, we had 350, 400 carpenters working for us and, and then laborers and cement masons and tower crane operators on and on and on. And, and uh, the systems just simply to run the payroll and keep track of the units that I was talking about before, um, uh, they just started breaking down. They exceed and, what what you did is exceed the capacity of the system, and you didn't upgrade the system to handle the load. There wasn't, yeah, exactly. Okay. I couldn't because we were. Uh, how do I put this nicely? But how I had my head down and my other end up trying to do business every day. <laughs> so you had your head shoved up your rear, is what you're yeah. saying. And also, there's a thing called ego that works into this. Oh. I mean, I'm doing a project on a strip. I'm uh, running around in in airplanes, and and um, the ego part of it got into it too. And so you lose a little bit of focus on this thing. I um, I lost focus, and and I failed to upgrade systems. Had I known, had I been more aware. Um, when we got when we started bidding on that job, I would have started upgrading my system right then because I was bound determined I was going to get the project. I knew that the that Baron Hilton's people liked our company and our performance well enough to give us the project, and I knew our price was competitive. And so, what should I do? I should have started in reinforcing that foundation then, right. but I didn't. I tried to put patchwork over the top of it, and. Well, I got a little bit of high pressure grout into the cracks as they started showing up. And you can only do that for so long. And then you lose you lose control of the costs. Um, our costs on per cubic yard of concrete started climbing. Other things started climbing, subcontractors failing that I was too stupid in the beginning to bond them. So when a subcontractor fails, I have you have as a general contractor this statement of performance called a contract. You got and you got a number there, right? And if a subcontractor fails, you got to finish that job up. You don't go back to the owner and say X Y Z failed. I need five hundred thousand dollars more to finish the job. The owner's going to tell you to pound sand. He's going to say, No, no, no. I got a contract. You're going to finish this job now. To the to the credit of the company and to the strength of the people. Um, that were there that that kept trying even though they were overwhelmed. Uh, we finished the job on time, not on budget, but on time, right. and and continue to work for the Hilton Corporation for years after that, right. um, even though they knew we were in trouble. And um, but we finished on time. They got their casino open, which in a casino business you spent long enough in Las Vegas to know in the casino business time is everything. We were yeah. working twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And, yeah, it could, and, it could cost them hundreds, of not millions of dollars a day that that thing's not open. Exactly, exactly. And and it was a brand new property. And this is the kicker: it had no hotel rooms. All it had was a casino, meeting rooms, and a parking structure. Yeah, one of those casinos with the old gaming license. That's right. The gaming license now have to have uh, hotel, uh, rooms. hotel rooms. So yeah, I think it's a minimum two hundred hotel rooms. Yep. to get an unlimited gaming license. And and so, yeah, finishing on time was critical. Did you ever get a chance to meet Bar Baron Hilton? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I got to meet him. One more story. 
So oh, yeah, we, we were doing um, what was called the core kitchen in the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh -huh. Now, the core kitchen is what does all of the prep for all of the restaurants. The restaurants have their own kitchens, but the basic food stuff is prepared in the core kitchen. So right. the core kitchen operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week in a casino at the Las Vegas Hilton. We were doing the core kitchen in the, at, the, at the Las Vegas Hilton, and there, Baron Hilton did a fly-in at his ranch up in um, central Nevada, northern central Nevada. And I got an invitation one day. I didn't have a plane. And so I called up their office and I said, well, I'd love to go, but I don't have a plane. And, and the, the assistant um, said, I know that. We know that. Um, we've got you arranged. So I flew up on somebody else's plane. And um, we flew in and we circled the airport, circled the airport that he had there at his ranch. There must have been billion and a half dollars worth of private aircraft there. Wow. They're parked everywhere, everywhere. And when our plane landed and pulled up, the door dropped down. And when I walked off the plane, Baron Hilton was standing at the base of the stairs, stuck his hand out and he said, hi, Frank, I'm Baron Hilton. <laughs> I had never, ever met him personally, never. And he greeted every single person off of every single plane exactly the same way. Wow. Just shows who he was. Can you imagine the brain power this man had to know everybody like that? Yeah. I was I was ultimately impressed with that. And it was only about a four-hour deal. And then everybody was gone and the field was empty again. Baron yeah. Hilton even flew his stunt plane around. I, I, I'll, I'll just tell a real quick story and then we're going to take a break. But um, when I was at Arthur Anderson, I was working on splitting hotel Hilton hotels from Hilton gaming. And I was working on the strategic plan and I'm up uh, in his office on the top floor. And I, I went into the restroom and I just got in a conversation with this old guy that walked in and, and, and um, I just started talking to him and he started talking to me and we had a conversation a little bit in the bathroom. I went back to work and about 10, 20 minutes later, his assistant comes in and goes, hey, were any of you gentlemen in here just in the bathroom talking to somebody? And I was like, oh, yeah, that was me. She goes, well, Mr. Hilton would like you to come and meet you and him come in his office and talk to him. I ended up talking to him for like two hours, asking questions. He was just fascinated that I just started talking to him out of the blue. Yeah. And he loved it that I was just so candid with him. And so yeah. just a really warm, generous guy, though. Yeah, he. I was ultimately impressed with this man ultimately yeah. impressed with him well we'll take a break and we'll come right back and then we're talking to frank uh, martin with uh, about martin harris construction and the things he did in las vegas and we'll take a break and we'll be right back voice america is on linkedin connect with us today Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. 
Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right, here we are with Frank Martin, and we're talking about casinos getting built, and Frank's going to jump in to a little bit of what happened with his O'Shea's deal. So O'Shea's... In addition to O'Shea's, when we was building that in, in the uh, late 80s, we had a wide number of other projects going on in Las Vegas. Howard Hughes Corporation was a client of ours. Timet Corporation was a client of ours. American Nevada Corporation, the original developers of Green Valley. Howard Hughes, of course, Summerlin and, and Hughes Center down in, you know, the financial center. And uh, we had all kinds of projects going on in addition to the O'Shea's. So there was a lot of projects, a lot of people, and and my um, uh, accounting system kind of fell apart. Our, our able, ability to control all of that uh, fell apart. And I had done a lot of things right in some ways. I became a seminar junkie. I went to learn how to manage people better and did all those kind of things. Uh, went to a lot of FMI, Fails Management Institute seminars, one of the best things I did is I joined a peer group. Yep. The peer group had other contractors from Fresno, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, Louisville, uh, Kentucky, and one other city. I can't remember where it was. Anyway, we would every every three months, every six months, we would travel to each other's offices. So that peer group came to Las Vegas, and I was by far the biggest company, largest number of employees, highest revenue, all that kind of stuff. And there was like 30 people came from those other companies. And we entertained them all over the place. Um, went to Hugo Seller one night, bought out the room. They went out and examined our job, examined our job, our jobs, examined our cost reports, 
balance sheet and everything. And then that would last about three days. And then on the fourth day, um, they would do a debrief with the with me. And so they came in and um, I was all full of myself thinking, man, I've really impressed these guys with my control of Las Vegas, yada, yada, yada. And they proceeded to tell me in really, really brutal terms that I was bankrupt. Wow. And I said, tell me how that happens. Well, like I said, I knew the get work, do work, keep score part, but I didn't really know the keep score part. I knew an income statement, but I didn't know WIP, work in process, and I had no clue the a balance sheet was Greek, total right. Greek. Had no understanding of that whatsoever. And so they get up there on that whiteboard and they proceeded to rip my operation to pieces. And I'm going, oh. And then they made a projection that I was going to lose everything that I had worked for for the previous 12 years. So you were basically going bankrupt like they told I you. Was, exactly. He said, you're, you're, there's a movie out there called Dead Man Walking. That was Frank. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. And I'm going, holy cow. And, and they proved it to me. They took the numbers and dissected them. And, you know, I had CEOs from four other major construction companies, and they were just dissecting, and, and their CFOs were with them. They were just, anyway, it so was you're getting, really so you're, They told me I had three choices. You're basically, you're basically getting killed in this meeting then. Your ego's being challenged. All Everything. that you've done up to now, all your success that you think have, these guys are coming in and challenging everything and telling you basically in the next few months, you're going to be out of business. That's exactly right. They wow. gave me three choices. Chapter 11, bankruptcy. Chapter 7, recommended. Or that I call a, a company called Fails. Um, it's Fails Management Institute, FMI it's known as now. They're a, 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 a consulting firm specializes in the construction business. Mm -hmm. And for me, bankruptcy was never a, never a, a, a consideration. And fails, I brought fails in, a guy by the name of Terry Kramer. Um, he's no longer with them. He's down in Phoenix, I think. I, up until four or five years ago, I talked with him a couple times a year because he literally saved my life. He come in and um, did a uh, what he called a management audit. And on the fifth day, we locked up in my office and I had a video camera going with a VHS, I mean, a big one set on a tripod and video recorded the system or the debrief. Mm -hmm. um, he worked out. We worked out during that, that time on Friday in my office. We worked out a 30-day plan and um, for helping to recover. I basically, I executed that 30-day plan in seven days. And that re that involved a lot of stuff. I had to let go of a lot of people. We talked about good to great a little bit earlier. Uh, in there, you got the wrong people in the wrong seats on the wrong bus. And I had, I had dozens and dozens of those. So I had to let go of a lot of associates that have been with me from, some from the beginning. Right. And um, uh, then... What I did is I went out and uh, I made a list of all of our major clients. And I mentioned their names to you earlier. I'll leave them out. But anybody that's in Las Vegas, anybody anywhere would know those names because we had major, major clients. We already talked about 
Hilton, uh, that was one of them. I went out and met with every one of those major owners. There was about seven of them and explained to them my situation. Um, to to a, every one of them, David, these major Hilton Corporation, all these other major companies, they waived their bonding requirements because I told them I got zero bonding. I can't bond the job. They waived their bonding because, requirements. Because basically you owed about almost a million dollars. I did. And you had about $100,000 to your name at the time. Yep, it's exactly right. On September 30th, 1989, I found out that I was uh, had um, was upside down. I'd lost all the equity in the company. I'd lost value in everything that I had previously owned, including my home. And I owed my bank, Valley Bank of Nevada, the people that gave me this $10,000 to originally start the company, um, uh, I owed them $855,000 on September 30th, 1989. We may, I made those changes that was recommended by fails. Then I took um, a, uh, I went to vendors too, David. I went to vendors because yeah. the vendors, subcontractors, I faced everybody that I owed a lot of money to. You sat right with them and you told them, look, I can't pay you. I looked them right straight in the eye. I said, I cannot pay you now, but you will get paid. And yeah. all of them, all of them being business owners themselves, loved that because it was you being raw and honest with them. Is that fair? Exactly. And I got to tell you, David, the shock on their faces was, was uh, I'll live with that till the day I die. The shock that that um, was on not only my vendors and subcontractors, but my clients, none of them had a clue because we were still performing at a very high level. Right. And all of this stuff was falling apart, but it was falling apart at the foundation. So they weren't seeing it. They were seeing that top floor on that big high, high tower. And that was still going along. Right. Um, and, and when I went to tell a bank, I'll never forget this. I went in and talked down, sit down with their called relationship managers. Now they're called they're in those days, they were just vice president and, and so on. I sat down with my uh, representative and his boss. And I told him, I said, here's the deal. I just got my financials. I owe you current balance on my credit lines, $855,000 that I owe you. I, and I got I got a hundred thousand dollars max in net worth, and that is if I was to cash everything out tomorrow, that's all I got. And um, uh, they took a look at me. We talked a little bit more, and um, they they said, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to delay the interest payments on the eight hundred and fifty five thousand dollars." And we're going to offer you another $150,000 in credit line. Can yeah. you imagine a bank doing that today? No. <laughs> no. Not a chance. <laughs> they would be after you like a bunch of vultures. Yeah. But Frank, so 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 just to help you um, with this, because we're getting short on time sure. here. So you basically um, went to every person you owed money to and you basically owned your shit with all of them. I owned it. I owned yep. it. I, and, I, and, I screwed up and I screwed and up in they, a way. They loved that humility and that made them want to help you. Yeah. 
right? But yep. then you put them on a plan to pay them back and you did what you said you were going to do. I did what I said I was going to do. I went, took a 10-day sabbatical mm -hmm. with a brochure from Lavin. This, this is a name, Laventhal and Horwath. Uh -huh. I wrote a strategic plan. This is the original copy of the very first business plan Martin Harris Construction ever had in their entire career. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I wrote that business plan. March 31st, my birthday of 1990, I walked into Valley Bank of Nevada with a check for $855,000 for the principal and another check for the interest and paid it off in full. Ah, how much Six did months. you learn? How much did you learn from that mistake? Yeah. I learned what the value of a business plan is. More importantly, I learned what the value of your word. There you go. That's it. Of your word. That's it. Contract's one thing. Your word is something totally different. Yeah. Frank, I cannot tell you how valuable it's been having you on the show today. I really appreciate your time and I love your story. Um, this is the second time I've heard it. And um, there's so many elements to it. I hear a little bit more every single time. But the two things I think are really driving are your ego, getting that into check, and then starting to work a plan to do what you said you were going to do. And you went out and started to get people to help you do the things that you didn't understand. And I will not forget the three-legged stool, I promise you. <laughs> I bet you you're going to use that. Oh, I, I, I'm going to use it. It's such a simple way to help people understand the value of a flywheel. So, yeah. And the other thing, David, it's, it's applicable to a used car company, to a car sales company. It's applicable to an accounting firm. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Everything. It's applicable to everybody listening to this show right now. So it'll resonate very well with them. Frank, thank you very much. We appreciate you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these messages. Thank you. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program 
that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. We just got done talking to Frank Martin. And he shared with us quite a bit. He he owned a very successful construction company in Las Vegas. Um, he sold it a little over a decade ago. Um, he stayed involved with it. He's been active with it. He still is a little bit involved too, even though he's retired and off doing his own thing. And he shared with us something really important. He shared with us the three-legged stool, um, get work, do work, keep score. Um, where he said he failed was when he was keeping score as he started to grow the work and, and do the work, things got out of control because the score wasn't being kept very well. His systems didn't keep up with his growth. So Frank went on a journey. Um, he didn't sit back and say, hey, I failed and I'm just going to sit back and give up. He he went and talked to every person he owed money to and told them exactly where he was at and what mistakes he had made. You got to have a lot of admiration and the humility it would take to do that. It's just, you know, when you're thinking about that, so many business owners get stuck in their ego where they wouldn't go and take care of things. They would just give up, file bankruptcy, and go start another company. Frank didn't do that. He went and sat with the people that he owed money to and told them he'd pay them back. And in just a short time later, six months later, he goes back and writes a check for $855,000 to the Valley Bank in Nevada and paid off all this debt that he had owed when he thought he was bankrupt six months earlier. That's because he got focused. He owned his shit. He went and took care of it. And he just did what he needed to do to make his business work, which propelled that business into a large company in Nevada. And he sold, had a very successful exit uh, a little while ago. And I think that his humility really leads to show how important it is to roll up your sleeves and do what you have to do when things get tough. And we all make business mistakes. He said that his um, his his guys out in the field um, as he grew and scale his company, maybe weren't keeping control of the cost the way he was before. And you have to really understand the dynamics of the growth because uh, the communication that gets broken down is tremendous. Um, so if you have two relationships, you have, uh, or you have two people, you have two relationships, you have three people, you have six relationships, four people is 24. 
and it just keeps on going up from there. He had 300. So the, the amount of miscommunication could be tremendous. And if he didn't have the systems for properly communicating um, cost and, and things like that, then what ends up happening is the communication gets broke down. He thinks he's making money when he's actually losing money. And he ended up having to pay a heavy price for it. Um, so he tells stories of losing his uh, his fortune several times. So that wasn't the only time he lost his fortune. He went on and made mistakes again. But what he also shares with us when uh, just talking to him individually is he shares the stories about how he got his head out of his rear end, did what he needed to do and fixed what he messed up. So not only can he own his mistakes, he also uses them to leverage himself into the future. We learn a lot from our mistakes. We only learn from our mistakes if we reflect upon them and own them. And that's exactly what Frank did. And I really admire his stories and how he shares them with him. I, I was around a couple of young construction guys when he was sharing the story. And these construction guys were just asking him a tremendous amount of questions because of his knowledge in this business and how important it is to keep the right score. And so I love his three-legged stool. I hope you'll use that in your business because as he said very at the very end, the three-legged stool applies to any type of business. It even applies to my business today. And I love the simplicity of it. And it's like a mini flywheel, right? It just is really easy to understand and get work, do the work, keep your score. Get work, do the work, keep the score. Get work, do the work, keep the score. Really simple, easy flywheel. He, but um, he failed on the keeping the score part and then probably failed a little bit on the work side too, but went in there and fixed all that, took care of what he had to do and made his company work and, and took it from good to great, basically, because he um, started to understand what he didn't know. I think oftentimes we think we know a lot about business and what we're doing and a lot of it just gets lost and, and we don't know as much as we think we know. And when the time comes, we have to make these hard decisions. And and um, he switched strategies, cut some people and made it all happen. So I really love the story. I just want to remind you that we're going to be doing some events. Um, we have the uh, webinar on March 11th from 1 to 2 uh, Central Time. Uh, this is on how to coach employees for top performance, really just building accountability back into your team. This is a huge subject with a lot of uh, leaders. On March the 28th, I will be doing a scaling up workshop in Austin, Texas. I'll be talking about people, getting the right people in the right seats, doing the right things right, as Frank talked about. Um, we will be doing a little bit on execution. We'll be teaching the Rockefeller Habits Checklist, what that means, how to use it, how to implement it into your company. We'll be talking about cash and how to get rid of that debt that you have. Any debt that's not strategic is bad debt. And we need to get rid of it as quickly as we can. And then last but not least is the strategy. Um, we'll be helping you understand strategy and what it is and how to implement it. A lot of people think they understand it, but they don't understand it as well as they should. And we'll be really helping with that. And um, 
and really helping them understand how to execute on that strategy too. So I hope you'll join us and that's on the 28th of March. You can get on AssuredStrategy.com and get the information. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.